Good morning, everyone. We welcome you this morning to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with the topic, the subject of, is the universe, including man, evolved by atomic force? We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And thank you all for joining us today. And today, Florence will start us with the morning prayer. I am reading excerpts from page 260 and 262 of Miscellany. <clears throat> the basis of Christmas is the rock, Christ Jesus. Its fruits are inspiration and spiritual understanding of joy and rejoicing. Not because of tradition, usage, or corporeal pleasures, but because of fundamental and demonstrable truth because of the heaven within us. The basis of Christmas is love loving its enemies, returning good for evil, love that suffers long and is kind. The true spirit of Christmas elevates medicine to mind, it casts out evils, heals the sick, raises the dormant faculties, appeals to all conditions, and supplies every need of man. It leaves hygiene, medicine, ethics, and religion to God and his Christ, to that which is the way, in word and in deed, the way, the truth, and the life. God creates man perfect, and eternal in his own image. Hence, man is the image, idea, or likeness of perfection. An ideal which cannot fall from its inherent unity with divine love, from its spotless purity <coughs> and original perfection. Mary Baker Eddy. Very beautiful, thank you. All right, Karen, our watching point. Watch number 125. Watch lest you believe that the so-called claim of reversal is something apart from your own thought that is liable to strike you at any time. So it must be handled as a definite enemy apart from you. You must realize that harmony is the only reality and that it has no opposite. This precludes the possibility of reversal. Your sense of good is not spiritual good unless your concept of it is so universal and uniform that an opposite is unthinkable. Once a student of Mrs. Eddy's was ill and his work did not seem to meet the suffering. He opened his thought to wisdom in order to detect what the trouble was and the answer came back that he was seeking to regain his health by striving to establish a little globe of harmony for himself in a great world of discord. So he sought to realize the truth of the scripture, quote, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea, end quote. His effort had been to gain personal good without regard for suffering humanity in the world. This was a selfish effort to establish harmony while he still retained a belief in the reality of discord, which rendered his effort unscientific and abortive. When this error was corrected, he was healed. Thank you. Okay, comments. Well, I don't believe I ever heard, or I don't remember hearing, prior to coming to this church, anything about uh, when I was working on a problem with myself to see it as universal, to include the universe in my knowing the truth. It was never brought out to me. So um, that's, that's something I've learned since coming here and learning how important it is. Thank you very much. I never, I never did either. 
<clears throat> it was all about creating this little island of yeah. peace for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trick the devil to make you misinterpret things as personal. And I think I'm, I'm starting to learn finally. There's nothing personal about anything going on. <laughs> so good or bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really the key is that if your if your thought does not encompass all of mankind, then it it's wrong. It's not scientific and it's not gonna hit the mark. That's which is why it's important that we don't spend much time watching the news. <laughs> Or we're very careful about what we read. You don't want to take in, you know, pictures that are destructive or harmful, or because they're 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 liable to seem real to you. Mm-hmm. I love it. Where I think it was Bicknell Young that told the story. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember which early worker it was, but told a story of taking the man to the window and saying, look, that's you out there. You know, just that the universe and man is one. Yes. Well, this reminded me of that Una Willard quote I love. When Jesus dismissed all temptation to desire personal and isolated good for himself, angels came and ministered unto him. Just love that. And our watch last night, it ends with, make sure that you cover this for mankind. Yes, for all mankind. And, And Mrs. Evans was taught this by her practitioner, Nana Ritchie, years ago, and she she did give it to us. Where she once was, you know, had a case of the flu and it wasn't being healed. And her practitioner, Nana Ritchie, said, Well, have you been praying for others or just yourself? <laughs> and Mrs. Evans, me quietly said, Well, just myself. And Nana Ritchie said, Well, that's not good enough. And, and once she started praying that this was not true for anybody anywhere ever, she got healed. But these, this is the pure science, and I don't. I mean, maybe other people know this, but I didn't until I came here. And I've heard of a lot of people, you know, class taught and all this kind of thing, third and fourth generations, and they haven't heard of these things. A lot of it is is been suppressed by the organization. They put the Carpenter books in the archives and say they're un- unauthorized, and they're not. They're authorized by God. So thank you. Go ahead, what Sarah. What you just said is really important because if you do go to the branch church meetings, which I don't watch because I spend a little more time here, uh, they say we are praying for our congregation. They mean their little branch. This is so the opposite. And when I speak with uh, my partner about it, she always tells me about the inclusivity. In fact, that's what Yes. Well, I think there is something in the manual, right, about praying. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The church will be exclusively for the congregation. Yeah, that 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 is something in the manual. But but in our watching and in other ways, we do we we know this truth for everyone everywhere. Thank thank you. Yeah, but also it um, brings up the point: what it is it that you consider your congregation? <laughs> that's true too. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, the article by Gilbert Carpenter, when he was going to uh, enter Mrs. Eddy's home and work for her, he was concerned about what what happens if I get sick. And that's where he learned that he had to be more universal in his thinking about peace. Um, I can't remember how exactly how it says, but how he opened his thought to the world to all mankind, and he always, he, he never, that was, that was always the solution to whatever situation would come up when his ex, 
individual experience that was always healed because he did that while working for in her home. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and all of this points to another thing and that is what is it for our purpose for even being here is it just to make our own selves comfortable our own little home comfortable or are we going to do the mental work that's going to embrace everyone and why not because you know god is everywhere he governs his entire universe we are his expression so why shouldn't our thoughts and motives be that expansive as god himself yes and as we know, that little verse in the chapter Job, Job was healed when what? He prayed for, for his friends. He prayed for his friends, yes. His friends. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that sneaky thought to hold yourself inferior or superior to anyone else is one just to keep an eye on because that, you know, not doing that, seeing that man is equally made by God and loved by God and as God is important. That's a sneaky one right there. Yeah, that was a main a main uh, point in our Bible study yesterday. Mm-hmm. That, oh, I didn't get yeah. to listen to that yet. Yeah, well, we covered that. All right. Before we go on, I wanted to make a couple of announcements. Um, one, next Sunday will be December 24th, Christmas Eve day. We will be having our Christmas Eve service at 5 p.m. Usually it's been at 8 p.m., so just be aware of that. 5 p.m. New Jersey time. We have a lot of little children singing, and, and also our our musicians will be here in the morning, and they'll be staying all afternoon, so be a little earlier this year. And also I've decided there won't be a roundtable next Sunday on the 24th. All right. Is the universe, including man, evolved by atomic force? And this was something Dale W. had sent me a while ago, which I thought was quite good and goes with this lesson. She's quoting something. Um, Craig Brian Larson. Anyway, the God dwelling within you made our solar system. Our galaxy contains hundreds of billions of stars. But the Milky Way is but one of a trillion galaxies in the universe. There are 20 galaxies in our group. The nearest cluster of galaxies, Virgo, is 50 million light years away. And a light year is the distance that light travels in a year. Astronomers estimate the distance across the universe is 40 billion light years and contains 100 billion trillion stars. (laughs) <laughs> so there we go so put that in your <laughs> try to imagine yeah, really. yeah. I believe the speed of light is 299,000 kilometers per second right so. wow mm-hmm. and it keeps growing <laughs> it continues yeah. to grow that's right and as we were blessed <laughs> Um, I guess it was Nathan who told us about that. Uh, what was it? Our what you taught I, Isaiah? Oh, the James Webb telescope. Thank you. That's what the James, the James Webb. Webb telescope. Yes, and the beauty of it all. We had pictures of it. Did we put that on the website? We had pictures of the beauty of the universe. It's not this dark hole thing. It's gorgeous. Light and stars, colors, and beautiful. So beautiful. So, yes. And apparently it's been thrown off all of their old pots. Too, so. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the wonder and the beauty of the awesomeness of it all. I mean, it's... It gives a glimpse of the infinitude of God's magnificence because when we sit here on earth and look up into the sky we can only see what our eyes can pick up but the web uh, telescope picks up much more than just the visible spectrum and it gives us a little hint about how much more is out there than what we can just see with our eyes and it's pretty grand and beautiful it sure is yes so i'm very grateful nathan brought that to our attention 
Where did Mrs. Eddie say that we will be looking out from the stars? Correct. Yeah. Here. But that's Mm -hmm. a concept that, wow, (laughs) that's pretty awesome. (laughs) It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's something like the botanist will have the plant before. Yeah, yeah, I think it's in science and health, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Astronomer will look out from the stars instead of up to them. Yes. All right, Jeremy, will you read our golden text? Job, touching touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. All right. You know, we have to hold that in, in thought, the idea he will not afflict, because so many people do think of think that he does and he does not right so so if there's affliction anywhere this is a lack of god not god and and this is what we must represent to others to correct that false view of of our god of love it's very beautiful yeah tornadoes and earthquakes Mm -hmm. all that stuff are not acts of god no they are not acts of god no, indeed. Now, in the responsive reading, the first verse, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. <clears throat> Carrie sent me this beautiful article called My Son, Forget Not My Law. And it brings out, I think, something very beautiful. Um, it says, when for a long period, seeming difficulties continually piled up one upon another, when existence seemed little else than a heartbreaking climb up a hill with no top in sight, the words, my son, recurred again and again to the writer with encouragement and healing and their wonderful meaning. My son, God's child, claimed of God. The thought was marvelous. If the child of infinite If the child of infinite good, then what could there be to fear? Forget not my law. Which law? Why, the law of unlimited love and goodness, holding all creation in its omnipotent control by its very wholeness, oneness, and perfection, annihilating all belief in anything unlike itself, protecting, upholding, encompassing, blessing all. Suppose that the material sense at times did seem to testify to pain and sickness, scarcely to be born. Who should heed the testimony of a proved liar? (laughs) So you see, you just can take one little thing like my son and it can just just change your life if it hits your heart. You realize what what is saying, my son, my child, forget my law. So I just love that. And then and then, yes, keeping the law and obeying the commandments. This was in this week's lesson and last week's lesson that hugely important. And then, um, Nancy, tell us what you wrote about. Well, I've always loved in Proverbs 3, 6, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And I found a commentary, and it says, This simple truth is written clearly. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will direct your path. He will guide you in the way to go. To acknowledge the Lord is to know him and to have intimate fellowship with him. It is to trust what he says, believe his word, and obey what he commands us to do. It is to abide in him and depend upon him alone. It is to walk in spirit and truth, to grow in grace, to be ready to listen to his guiding voice and to follow his lead. We are not simply to afford him an occasional glance or only to turn to him in times of crisis or distress. 
We are not to ignore him when things are going well or wander away from him when something more interesting comes along. We are not to keep him boxed up until we're on our way to a church meeting. We are to acknowledge him at all times, under all circumstances, and in all our ways, whether pleasant or difficult, joyous or distressing. And too often we forget this proverb. Too often we acknowledge ourselves in all our ways and direct our own path causing ourselves to stumble because we forgot to acknowledge him and call out to him in times of trouble. And all too often, it is a crisis that we ourselves have caused. He wants us to develop a Christ-like dependence on him. And it is a divine promise that is revealed elsewhere in scripture. And we discussed this in past roundtables. It's a conditional promise that contains an element of human obligation. For God will lead and guide us in the best way possible when we acknowledge him in all our ways, putting him first and trusting him, even when we don't understand. And I, I just love that because it's, it's, it's something I have to strive with, not even just daily, but hourly and moment by moment. And um, a lot of times we don't understand, but what a comfort to know if we acknowledge him, he will lead us in the right way. Thank you. Well, and this, this is such a good point because going back to our golden text, touching the almighty, we cannot find him out. I used to wonder what that meant. We cannot find him out. But I think what it means, at least what it means to me, is that I don't understand all there is to know about God. And Mrs. Eddy says, you know, something about learning about God is, a, you know, is, a, is an infinite, is a work of eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be a long time before I understand everything there is to know about God. So even when I don't understand, if I will just obey the little that I do know, that will be sufficient to carry me through. And I think it's enough to know that God is all-knowing and all-wise. That's what's helped me, all-knowing and all-wise. So yeah. if he is the one I'm depending on, sometimes, yes, he seems that what. How, does that, how is this possible? Knowing that he knows all and he's most wise, that helps me to obey. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, these Proverbs, Proverbs 3. You know, we should know them by heart and think about it often and not leaning to your own understanding. Um, and, and this is just a simple little voice inside you, this spiritual intuition that nudges you this way or that way. And sometimes you cannot get that nudge ahead of time. You know, sometimes when I'm trying to think of like directions in, in the road, I'm trying to remember, oh, gosh, I can't remember. Where do I turn? Where do I turn? Mm -hmm. Beforehand, you're trying to figure all this out. Maybe you don't have your GPS. <laughs> but anyway. But when you're driving, once you get there, you know where to turn, right? You, oh, yeah, that's where I turn, right there. So <laughs> That voice behind you saying, go, saying go this, this is way. the way, walkie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's how it works. And, and sometimes you don't know a day or two, well, should I do this or I do that? You, you will know when the time comes. That nudge will be there. And yes, go ahead or absolutely do not do it. And we stress a lot trying to figure things out ahead of time. So we, we mustn't do that. And that's why we have a hymn that says, one step enough for me. <laughs> yeah. And also just for today, right? Just for today. We want to know, oh, what about next week and <laughs> the week after? What about just today? Absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. Thank you. <clears throat> so... We take each step as it comes, 
there was something um, I loved in the in the Liberator. Interesting squibs. Do not anticipate trouble or worry about what may never happen. Keep in the sunlight. Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important to understand the difference between inspiration and human imagination. Yeah, yeah, right. But, but the more you do it, and that's what this is saying, and that's what it was saying and what Nancy read, the more you do it, the more you trust it, and the more unerring it will become with you. And then when you get in a, a big, so-called big mm-hmm. situation that's, that you won't get so panic-stricken, because you've been doing it all along, step by step, day by day. So you'll know God is there. As Florence just said, he's all intelligence. You're all wise right there with you, letting you, telling you exactly what to do. The voice inside directing you. And we have talked about, you know, conditions, uh, conditions when you do this, this will happen. But I want to make it very clear that God's love for us is unconditional. It's unconditional. The obedience to the prefects before these things is, is what we need to do in order for our thought to be receptive to this unconditional love. But it's always there. It always loves us. It's not based on anything. He just loves like the sun shines. But we are obedient to him or obey his laws because that sort of prepares our thought to his love. Same as playing the violin, right? You can't just pick it up and play it. You have to learn about that. Yes. Yes. So, so thank you, Nancy. And then Carrie sent me, it was a beautiful testimony about a, a girl. She was, um, I guess, going to go pick some flowers or something, but she had to go down a, a rocky slope. And once she got there, <laughs> she looked like she entered a rattlesnake's nest and they were all hissing and around her, you know, but, but again, I think because she'd been obeying God, she was able to keep her calm and listen. And she was able to climb up the rocks totally undisturbed. Rattlesnakes did not harm her in any way, although it was a frightening situation. So this is what we must learn to do. So if, there does seem to be a frightening situation. We will remain remain calm and poised and know that all is infinite mind and it's infinite manifestation because God is all in all. There's nothing else. Just like that testimony of that welder from where. Yes, most definitely that. Thank you. Um, and then in the verse... For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. And we have had on our website, and I believe it was Jacob that sent it to us a while ago. Carrie sent, sent it again this week, but it's Excerpts from Confidence by Martha Harris Bowe. And she says, confidence is a quality of mind, a quality of God, since confidence is God-given. The statement, I lack confidence, is false. Remember that. The person who is declaring the lack of confidence to succeed is very confident of his ability to fail. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Fear is faith in evil. Courage is faith in God. Doubt is trust in evil. Confidence rightly directed is trust in God good. When we are afraid, we can ask ourselves, where is my faith? What am I trusting in good or in evil, spirit or matter? If we fail, it is because our faith is in the wrong thing. And and as I said, this was so helpful to me years ago. You know, I had faith in evil. I thought evil would prevail. Basically, that's what you're getting down to. So, and that's very much disobeying the first commandment. And so in this story, or in this article, I should say, there was a very young student of science who was given a 
uh, difficult case, a so-called difficult case to heal. Um, someone who couldn't stand on her feet or, or sit in a chair for over 10 years. And so when this person was going to to meet with her, she, she said, how in the world am I ever going to heal this case? It's just, my goodness, it's impossible. I don't have enough understanding. And she was reading her signs and health on the way there. But then she got this thought about God, the confidence being in God. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. My, confident in, my confidence in God's ability and the power of the word began at once to take the place of a confidence in my own ability to fail. I left self-reliance behind, and with God-reliance, I went to the woman. And when she was done, the patient got up and walked across the room and sat in a chair. And the next morning, she was dressed, eating with her family. In this, I learned that I must never let fear and trembling keep me from taking the step before me. We do not need confidence in our own ability, but we do need confidence in God's ability and willingness to work in us to give us dominion over all the earth. And we must have the willingness to take the steps and prove to ourselves and others that God is omnipresent. So that is how God is our confidence. Because our confidence is in him, not in our own ability. All right. So the next I'm going to jump to... Um, Karen, tell us. <clears throat> yes, you want me to, the one about the, the murmuring, because I sent you to, is that the one you want me to talk about? Matthew Henry, yes. Yes, yes. Okay. I noticed that murmuring was mentioned many times. <laughs> so I <clears throat> I looked up um, what it says on Matthew Henry's on. <clears throat> And it says, in the wilderness of Shur, the Israelites had no water. At Marah, they had water, but it was bitter, so that they could not drink it. God can make bitter to us that from which we promise ourselves most, and often does so in the wilderness of this world, that our wants and disappointments in the creature may drive us to the Creator, in whose favor alone true comfort is to be had. In this distress, the people fretted and quarreled with Moses. Hypocrites may show high affections and appear earnest in religious exercises, but in the time of temptation, they fall away. Even true believers in seasons of sharp trial will be tempted to fret, distrust, and murmur. But in every trial, we should cast our care upon the Lord and pour out our hearts before him. We shall then find a submissive will, a peaceful conscience, and the comforts of the Holy Ghost will render the bitterest trial tolerable, yea, pleasant. Moses did what the people had neglected to do. He cried unto the Lord, and God provided graciously for them. He directed Moses to a tree, which he cast into the waters, when at once they were made sweet. Some make this tree typical of the cross of Christ, which sweetens the bitter waters of affliction to all the faithful and enables them to rejoice in tribulation. But a rebellious Israelite shall fare no better than a rebellious Egyptian. The threatening is implied only. The promise is expressed. God is the great physician. If we are kept well, it is he that keeps us. If we are made well, it is he that recovers us. He is our life and the length of our days. Let us not forget 
that we are kept from destruction and delivered from our enemies to be the Lord's servants. At Elam, they had good water and enough of it. Though God may for a time order his people to encamp by the bitter waters of Marah, that shall not always be their lot. Let us not faint at tribulations. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Any comments on that? Well, when I, again, when I came here, I realized, boy, I murmured. I murmured a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, you know, I, I would always say, my gosh, I'm calling a practitioner again. But I'm, you know, it's just, I was always murmuring until finally I realized that it really wasn't getting me anywhere. And, and to just in those moments to rejoice, be grateful, know that my God is right there, even though that, but I came into this, and uh, back into the Christian science murmuring a lot about things and uh, I'm so grateful for my progress in this in this because I I sure catch myself a lot faster than I used to that's wonderful good <laughs> yeah and this is you know the, we can all think about how they murmured and murmured and murmured it kept them wandering for 40 years and even mm. after crossing the, the Red Sea, all the wonderful things that happened, they still murmured. And then they accused Moses of trying to kill them. Yeah. And a whole generation. That was the 40-year. Yes. They could have walked in. They could have walked in, you know, right away into the promise. But a whole generation had to wait for the next generation to go in because they just wouldn't trust um, yep. All of them except Joshua and Caleb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would be the promised land if they showed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody would want to be there. So. And that, again, that, that taught how patient Joseph, I mean, um, yeah, um, not what mm -hmm. Joseph, but Joshua and Aaron had to be because they were ready to go in, but they had to wait. <laughs> wow, that was just, yeah. In this article, Moses, I think this is on our website too. This was sent by Carrie. I believe we've had it. She sent it a while ago, but I was very touched by this. Um, the whole article is on Moses and, you know, what a tremendous prophet he is. And, um, it was after this that the bitter waters of Merah were healed, healed by a tree which the Lord showed him. And here the people were given their first statute. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. This is the first record of healing through obedience. And here Moses outlines his, how, his life work to teach his beloved people freedom through obedience. I never thought of that. He's teaching his beloved people freedom through obedience. This is why they murmured. How stupendous the task and what a heroic figure he stands through murmurings, complainings, idolatry, and the material materiality that sighed for the slavery and the flesh pots of Egypt. Now think about it. All that they had seen, all the healings they had witnessed, and yet they sighed for the flesh pots of Egypt to go back to slavery. So... That is the tenaciousness of human mind. And I looked up because I remember Mrs. Eddy speaking about it in a few times in Science and Health. The period required for this dream of material life embraced its, in its so-called plain pleasures and pains to vanish from consciousness, 
knoweth no man, neither the Son, but the Father. This period will be of longer or shorter durations according to the what? Tenacity of error. That when I first read that, it really shook me up. Because you can't do that. You have to go to God. You have to be willing to go with these new ideas. But you see, this is the tenacity of the human mind to just, oh, I'm, you know, to go back to the material ways and means. They'd rather be a slave to the material ways and means than to go forward and trust God. It's still happening in different ways today. And then on 296, the so-called pleasures and pains of matter perish and they must go out under the blaze of truth, spiritual sense, and the actuality of being. Mortal belief must lose all satisfaction and error and sin in order to part with them. Whether mortals will learn this sooner or later and how long they will suffer the pangs of destruction depends upon the obduracy, the tenacity of error. The tenacity of error. So we shouldn't be disheartened. Well, and, and that is my point. We shouldn't be disheartened because look how tenacious it seems to be. The re- refutation of the testimony of material senses is not a difficult task in view of the conceited falsity of this testimony. The, re- the refutation becomes arduous, not because the testimony of sin or disease is true, but solely on account of the tenacity of belief in its truth. Here's your tenacity in believing that error is true. And don't you hear people argue for it? Hmm. Well, this is all true. It's true. It's happening. It's real. You're crazy telling me all this stuff. No, it's true. And I depend on the vaccines and medicine and everything else. That's where I go for my healing. And you're crazy to think anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how's that working out for you? Exactly. It's not. It's not working. It's not. It's exactly. not. And due to the force of education and the overwhelming weight of opinions on the wrong side, all teaching that the body suffers as if matter could have sensation. But this is what, where this comes from, because we're educated, the schools, certainly the um, hospitals and doctors and everybody, they teach you this over and over and over. So it is tenacious, and we mustn't be dismayed, as Craig said, or get too upset over it, um, except to handle it. The leaven of truth is working. Get science and health out. Let it work. And it works in what? What are the three areas that it works in? Theology, science, theology, science, and, theology and, medicine. and medicine. Thank you very much. And in many instances, it is because people are turning away what they call alternative alternative medicine and this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So people are people are beginning to question some of this. Thank God. But um, I just found that. Interesting, and, and it was so beautiful the way she described Moses to teach his beloved people freedom through obedience, a new concept. Obey God and things will work out. But no, they'd rather go back to their slavery days. And, you know, I was just also impressed with all the murmuring that it also showed the mercifulness of God. Yeah. Because despite how they were murmuring and complaining, he fed them every day with manna. Their clothes did not wax. You know, they stayed. I mean, how they were protected, even though they were doing that, it shows how merciful our God is. And that also, you know, he, they, anyway, that's also what came to me. Thank you. It's very, very, very impressive, the love. And, and that's, again, it's always there, unconditional love, pouring it out. You just have to have the eyes to see it and the willingness to turn to him. It's there. And, you know. We're in hell, though. Pardon me? No, we're in hell at being so glamored by matter. And yet, <laughs> we're, 
we're in health, and some people don't even realize it because it's all they've known. You know, you're you're used to like Casper Hauser, used to what you know, back to the cave rather than seek the light. But it was explained too, and with the organization, it's why people like the organization because they tell you what to do. You don't have to demonstrate or think for yourself. And and what the story of the people wanting a king, right? Wanted mm-hmm. Saul, a king. And that's what we have to be careful of today in our world, that we want a government that's going to do everything for us, meet all our needs, and, and, and give us money and all of this. Because we are seeking in the wrong direction, and you are losing your individual rights. And this is not political. This is Christian science. And people need to realize this. It has nothing to do with politics. It is Christian science. We hang on to our individual rights, no matter how much it sounds glorious, that the government will give us everything. No, thank you. Better to work for it on your own, as tough as that can be at times. We stay with the individual rights and what God gives us and the ability to turn to God. Because the bigger and more swollen any organization becomes, the more they control you and you're and the more corrupt they become, and suddenly, oh, well, we don't want you to go to church either. You shouldn't be worshiping God. No, they take that away. That will be the result. Like Israel, when they were in Egypt, and then they became the slaves. Yes. Yes. So, anyway. And that list of things that Samuel told them about getting the king and what would happen. Right. Pretty eye-opening. Very indeed it is. And in, in the lesson, in that story about the Red Sea, this was something else, and I'm sure I've given it to you, but in Exodus 14, and Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you this day. For the Egyptian whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. So I don't care how chronic your problem has been, how it seems to go on and on and on. You can declare this, that Egyptian whom you see today, you will see no more forever. Promise. And then the Lord shall fight for you and ye shall hold your peace. I love that. Candy was the one on Monday was saying how she loved that verse from the lesson, because especially today where you feel maybe you're getting into some fights, <laughs> stay out of the fights. Let God, let God take care of things. And, and you keep your peace, keep your peace. So if you've lost your peace, you've lost everything. And it can be very tempting to lose your peace and to get into fights and arguments needlessly. So today we're going to, and a couple minutes earlier, because I, you know how much I love this for Martha Wilcox, the power of a right idea and her description of Mary. Um, yes. So we're going to read that and think about it. This is from Addresses by Martha Wilcox. And we're going to start with the world of Mary's day. <clears throat> History tells us that the world of Mary's day was drowning in its foully materialistic thinking. Rome, the most important city, had set up the worship of the emperor, the adoration of a human personality as her religion. In the province of Galilee, where Mary lived, there were many established religions and political parties, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, and the revolutionists, all waiting the hour to strike Rome. And sacred history tells us that in this province of Galilee and among the common people was a little group of metaphysical thinkers. Right in the midst of this dense materialistic thinking of the upper class was this little group, this remnant of Israel who practiced pure and undefiled religion. They taught and practiced the most beautiful moral precepts. In fact, They were full of light in that black night of materialism. This little remnant of Israel was undiscouraged for Israel's deliverance. Their faith in God was unshaken by the blood ravages of Rome. 
They worshipped the true God of all the religions of that day. None approached the Hebrew religion in purity of doctrine or cleanness of life as shown forth by this little group of metaphysicians. This little group knew from actual experience that spiritual law sets in motion, set in motion by purified and spiritualized thought, was far more effective than the forcing of political issue through material aggression or human will. Mary's preparation. Mary was deeply religious, a woman of strong character and superintelligence. She was far from the clinging vine type to which so many have ignorantly assigned her. It is interesting and wonderful to learn how Mary, within herself, prepared for the coming of the Savior. She was familiar with the scriptures and knew that an immaculate conception would not just happen. She knew that an immaculate conception could take place only if the purity of the virgin's thought was sufficiently demonstrated. Mary knew that with God, her own mind, all things were possible. She knew that in all these experiences, the power, the might of God or mind came to the human consciousness as powerful impressions of good. And then these mental spiritual impressions were externalized to mankind in concrete, visible forms. A fundamental law in Christian science. <clears throat> A fundamental law in Christian science has been revealed to us. This law is that things do not merely happen. Thought held persistently within our mentality tends toward the externalization of itself in outward and visible forms. The thought of the whole Hebrew nation, a thought born in the Garden of Eden, lay back of Jesus, the Savior, and forced him into view. The Virgin Mary's state of mind was the mighty God, the law of divine science. This law set in motion in the consciousness of Mary, gave us a Savior who saves us from all sin, disease, age, want, war, and death. This law, active in the consciousness of Mary, gave visible proof that the father of man was not a material personality, but was an all-creative principle known to Israel as their God. Thank you. So let us be that small group of metaphysical, modern-day small group of metaphysical thinkers, and who knows what will be brought forth. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much.